The uh, sermon for today is, uh, is the nature and obligation of Christians' calling. The reason I was thinking of this kind of a thing is uh, we need to give our lives more to the Savior and be, be willing to give um, as we are, uh, where we are, what we're doing, what, whatever we have for the Lord, that we can use it for the Lord. But it comes with obligations as well. Yeah, so we have to think about uh, the cost of uh, uh, being a servant of God and, and what Jesus would expect of us, what the Heavenly Father would expect of us. And the uh, main thing is truth, being truthful, living righteously. So um, anyway, um, the calling, the calling to come and work for the Heavenly Father or be involved in spiritual food and, and giving spiritual food to other people, teaching lessons, um, you never know when it's going to make a big difference. <laughs> We've heard some of that already today, that uh, you never know when things are going to happen uh, way down the road somewhere, um, 40 years, 50 years down the road, um, even 60 years down the road could be, that you don't know what what you do that might influence somebody, and they might come to Christ, accept, accept Christ as their Savior, and begin serving. And uh, in the night, uh, it was going over and over in my mind about uh, this kind of a thing that could happen in somebody's life, that thing that could happen in somebody's life. What's going to influence them? And I went back to Paul and was thinking about his life. When he gives his resume in the Scripture, tells uh, I, I was, uh, it sounded like he was in the, in the depth of the ocean multiple times. He was in front of lions multiple times. And, wow, am I ready for serving the Lord to that extent that, uh, um, you know, my, my commitment needs to be more than just a, a good day. <laughs> you know, serve God if it's a good day. We need to be serving God when it's not con- comfortable to us or it's not favorable to us, but we serve anyway. Or we have the same mannerisms, same behaviors all the time in serving. So the first, I've got two ways of looking at this and and a third one over there. But there's a special verse in Ephesians 4 verse 1 that says, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. That's Ephesians 4.1. When you take that apart a little bit, think on it and dwell on it a little bit, this is Paul talking to the Ephesian people, and he's saying, uh, I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's not in a bad way. He's actually belonging to Jesus. And he doesn't mind being totally controlled by Jesus. That would be a prisoner, <laughs> okay? So he doesn't mind it. Uh, he wants to serve Jesus. And he wants to serve the Heavenly Father. He, he wants to uh, do whatever they ask him to do. And uh, he's not necessarily there at that spot because he was forced to. When you say prisoner, that sounds like he might have been forced to do that. But uh, what's the other choice? Well, yeah, you don't want to don't want to know the other choice. <laughs> you know, okay, if 
if Jesus wants me to do this, I'm going to do this. Because Jesus is going to take care of me. Things are going to be right and in the right order. But we need to also, um, he's begging them, I beseech you, brethren, I, I beg you to think strongly and wisely about your spiritual walk with the Lord, that you walk worthy of Christ. What did Christ do for you? Well, he died on the cross. He gave up everything in heaven. And as you go from time to time, you think, uh, was he convinced that he could go back where he came from? Well, we can say yes, and, and it might be easy, but I think that he had to struggle with the same, same thoughts that we have. Um, I know that God is using me. I know I'm healing other people or doing, you know, whatever Jesus was doing for other people and for himself. And he could take our, our wounds and our sorrows, our sicknesses and, and diseases. He could take that from us and he could bear it. But at the long thing, you know, uh, was he totally convinced that God was going to get him through this thing and bring him out the other side. And I think there had to be a smidgen of us in there. We say, oh yeah, you know, if, if we accept Christ as our Savior, we're all, we've got it all made. It sounds like you wouldn't have to do a thing else, right? But then you think, well, no, wait a minute. Some people have fallen from the faith. There's, there's verses in the Bible about those that didn't do well, didn't stay right, didn't stay on the, on the track. And are, are we sure that we can stand the this, this strain? Well, we better be prayed up. <laughs> we better have the Holy Spirit on our side because we need it. And then when Jesus said, uh, when he was at the, at the cross and die on the cross and um, praying to the Heavenly Father, is there a way out of this? When he was in the garden, um, can I, uh, if I must, I'll have to do this, but isn't there another way? That's very human. That's where we are. Jesus was able to hang in there knowing that he was going to die and that the Heavenly Father would bring him back. He could remember, he could say, I, I, I know that that's true. Well, don't we read the same verses? <laughs> we do. That blessing is for us too, that we can be brought back to life and we can be given um, blessings from the Heavenly Father and, and uh, be in the forever, um, stand before God where they're dividing the sheep and goats. We, we know what side we should be on, right? <laughs> and um, so we have to hold in there uh, much like Jesus would have uh, when he said, um, why hast thou forsaken me? That was really sad. He was in trouble. He was sorrowing. And uh, he had to hang in there, believe, and hold on. So uh, the nature of uh, human calling, the Christian calling, um, we need to look at some of those types of verses as well. So here's, here's one, our calling, a holy calling. It is a holy calling. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, who hath saved us and called us, un, uh, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. We weren't called because we were so good. But according to his own purpose and grace, 
which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. This plan was not a surprise. Uh, God didn't uh, start something and then say, oh, by the way, I guess I better throw that in as well. Uh, no, that's, that's not how it worked. God had it all figured out first. He had Jesus figured out. It was his son. He knew his son would be the one that would die for us on the cross. This was all figured out. This, this was planned correctly. So it was uh, Jesus that has saved us. The Heavenly Father built the plan, made it that we would be saved, could be saved, if we chose to. And it was a holy calling uh, when God was looking at us, there's a song that way, when, when Jesus was on the cross, he was seeing me, you know, he was looking at me. Um, we know that it was all planned and that he did it for us. The Heavenly Father had the plan made so that we could win and we could receive this holy calling. But he would like us to, to accept the calling, I guess you might say, the holy calling, but accept the calling of serving him and winning souls for Christ. And not because we were so good. That's not the story at all. Um, God had it planned. We fit in and we want to uh, be there for him. Okay, not because of our, our own good graces and so on uh, that, that we got this calling. And all those that are witnessing and testifying for the Heavenly Father and for Christ have that calling. We don't know what part of it that we fit into, but we all have a calling. It's something to do for God and for Christ. It's an honorable calling because uh, in Philippians 3 verse 14 it says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's pressing towards a mark. He has to do something. He has to work at something to get to that point and to be used of God. He's willing to do it, and it's an honorable calling. The prize, there's a prize at the end of the story and the end of the winning. Another thought is that we serve an honorable master. There's a number of stories in the Bible about masters and slaves and, and who's serving who and what they ought to do and, and how they care for each other and so on. Um, we know that this is a, an honorable master. He's not going to give us one story and then treat us differently. It's not that kind of a deal. He's an honorable master and he's an honorable calling to call us into the service of Heavenly Father. It's also a calling to serve uh, I guess we should be looking at First uh, Timothy 1, verse 17. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisibly, the only wise God, who be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's in First uh, Timothy 1, 17. That's showing that we have the truth of the matter. We have this King eternal, uh, Jesus Christ is going to reign a thousand years. He's going to be a king, but he's also eternal. He has all eternal life belongs to him. It's part of him, of who he is. Heavenly Father gave him that. So um, we, we have an honorable person that we're serving and we're uh, wanting to be able to serve him. It's a profitable calling. He said, why am I doing this? 
You know, couldn't I do this some other way? Um, no, it's, an, it's a profitable one. It's good for us. It's going to be an advantage to us. In 1 Timothy 4, 8, it says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of life that now is, and of that which is to come. We got the two promises. God will be with us now in this life and all the problems and situations that go on in this life. But the promise also reaches into the future for, uh, for our profit, life eternal. So we got two things going for us. And, you know, that's, that's always an interesting thing to think on, that if you join up with the Heavenly Father and with Jesus Christ, you get all the blessings here. You get these promises, you get these helps, you get these uh, um, blessings and um, promises that are being fulfilled in your life and around you and so on, things that are working out for you. You can say, yeah, that's good. That's, that's serving me nicely. But we can also think about that in the future, it's going to be eternal. Be with Christ eternally and with the Heavenly Father. So it's a profitable calling, profitable to us. I, I do sometimes with my fingers, it's, it's, it's worth money, you know, <laughs> because serving God, this blessing came along and that blessing came along and that blessing came along. And all of those things are worth money to us. But that's not why we're serving Jesus. We're serving because it's the right thing to do. It's an honorable thing to do. He died for us. He made the plan of salvation and so on. He's working it uh, for our advantage. But there is an obligation. I guess that's where some people don't want that part. They, uh, they'd like the free lunch, but no restrictions, no obligations. You know, don't have to do anything for yourself. Um, we can uh, sure look around us and see people that are Work on the system. They're getting all the goodies they can. And uh, they're not putting anything back into it. Don't want to put anything into it. And that's sad. So there's an obligation to the call. Uh, the first thing that we could think of there is uh, study the principles of the calling. In, in, first, in Ephesians 1, 17, that the the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is a, if you're looking at why and how, the principles of the calling, what's going on there? Well, we're serving this heavenly Father, which is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're serving Christ, we indirectly are serving the Heavenly Father. If we serve the Heavenly Father, Christ is in his plan, so we're serving Christ. Those two things work together. And it's all for the glory of the Heavenly Father, to the Father of glory, uh, may give unto you a spiritual wisdom. We all would like to have the good wisdom. And I, I, when I'm talking to people about the Bible and about, you think of Proverbs or um, you know Solomon's writings and so on, you start beginning to think of that is actually a blessing that is given to us. If we just read those, those um, promises and those stories and, and what it means to be 
blessed of the Heavenly Father to have wisdom, uh, what it can do to our life. It can give us occupations. It can give us this. It can give us that because of the wisdom that comes from the Heavenly Father and the knowledge of Him. So all of this is working together for our good. Um, we must eagerly claim the privileges of the calling. It's okay. If we know that he wants us to do things and we say, there's privileges that goes along with this and I'd like to have this part of the blessings come now, and I know there's more later, but we can um, go to the Holy Spirit and say, um, now I know that if I was called before the judge and I haven't got a pre preparation time and I needed to tell something, uh, like when Paul had to go to... to uh, uh, the, the kings and the rulers of the lands and the areas that they were in, besides um, the, uh, in Rome, I wouldn't want to face that fellow, you know. And yet we've got promises. And we can call upon those promises. Remember when they said that when you go before the judges and before this and that, don't worry what you're going to say because I'm going to give you the words. The Holy Spirit's going to give us the words. So we could try to prepare here for something that may never happen, right? And waste all that time. We gotta watch that Satan doesn't steal our time away from us. And that's what he'd like to do is bother us with something. And we start trying to pray, well, what am I gonna say if? No, we don't need the if because it's already been promised. So we can say to ourselves, there's a privilege of belonging to Jesus Christ. It's a privilege of being on God's side, being a child of God. There's privileges that go with being a child of God. And we can call upon those. Um, in Ephesians 3 and verse 16, it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be, let me turn this paper, to be strengthened with the might of his spirit in the inner man. Wow. That's better than trying to build muscles and buy the lifting bars and the rubber bands and, <laughs> and eat the right kind of food and hope that you're going to be strong enough for the task. But it's promised to us that the strength will be there by the spirit in the inner man. The next verse 2, verse 17, there, that was... Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. I want to read 17, 18, 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. We need to believe it and trust it and receive it. That ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with, the, with all the saints that is the breath and length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, and ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, that we could have that. That's what it's saying. It's, it's there for you. We know the love of Christ. It passes all of your, your try to knowledge, try to build some a list or whatever that this is going to be the knowledge of Christ or this is the advantage and you don't need to do that because it's already available to you it's going to pass that knowledge that you might try to get 
It's already available. But we must cultivate the spiritual side of the calling. It's not just come as you are, go as you please, do as you please. You know, there is a plan to it that we need to find words for. We need to read the scriptures. We'll never know the promises that are there for us if we never read them. If you don't have a list of promises or a book of promises or um, you don't do anything uh, active to receive something, you'll never know that it was available to you. So we need to be reading the scriptures and planning the scriptures, internalizing the plan of God so that we would have that for us. Uh, in Ephesians 4 and 2 and two to 3, uh, verse 2, it says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring is an active word. We need to be active in what we're doing, why we're doing it, that we're going to endeavor to make sure that we're doing it and that we're readily available. In loneliness, it's not, oh, look at me. I got this much power. I got this much ability. I got this and this. No, that's not the idea. We're supposed to be lonely, loneliness, uh, knowing that we need the Heavenly Father, that we need the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish what God would want us to do. And bear with one another in love. Make sure that we're doing our love thing with the other brothers and sisters of Christ. We must perform duties. Usually when you go to a work, they give you a list. Okay, your job entails this and this and this and this. So you have these duties. So we have duties as well to, to be performed. In John 14, 23, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come in unto him and make our abode with him. The, um, we can be, I guess this would be a good point to say it, that, that we need to trust the scriptures to know that they're viable, that they're a blessing, that they do stand true, that we can trust the, the, the words of the scriptures. So that when we read them and understand that the Heavenly Father loves us, we can bank on that. If we know that Christ loves us, we can bank on that. It's not a hit and miss that they might let us down. So when we're looking at this, we've got three things that stand before us. One would be our religious life. How are we handling our religious life? And that could be number one, or it could be our civil life. It won't really matter if you're doing it right. We talked about that in Sabbath school. If you start with a civil life and you work the, the spiritual side into it and from it, your religious life automatically shows up. It should be right, should be doing it correctly. And we can get that from reading the scriptures, understanding the scriptures and getting involved uh, with that. Because first off, there's, uh, if it was your um, spiritual life, in Ephesians 4 verse 24 it says, and that ye may put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wow. So when we get started in our walk, whether 
our physical life or our religious life, looking for the blessings of God, we're, we're going to have a new man or should be a new man. And if we have that new man, which is after Christ is created in righteousness and true holiness, wow, we can take it from there and walk forward in every aspect of our life. Every aspect, because we're putting the right steps in the right place, trusting in the Heavenly Father for these things. Then in Ephesians 4.25, I just read 24, now 25, uh, wherefore putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. This is your, your group life, your civil life. Can your neighbor trust you? Can your way of behavior with them and what you'll do with them and for them, do you wish the best for your neighbor and in a spiritual way? Uh, are you looking for them to gain eternal life? Are you getting, looking for them to get blessings from the Heavenly Father? Um, and of course, you can run down a whole list. Does your car last longer? Does this happen? Does that happen? Uh, are there blessings along the way? Um, one that popped into my head last night and, and now again, silly little thing like a washer and dryer. I've had people tell me, though, they only last about seven years or so. Uh, how about 14 years? That's what ours is doing. We didn't do anything special for it. We make ourselves available to the Heavenly Father, but there are blessings along the way that account to money. Blessings, direct blessings. So we need to put away anything that's going to stop that because we're working in righteousness and true holiness. We can tell our neighbor... If you serve God, if you accept Christ as your Savior and you start serving the Heavenly Father and serving Jesus, there is advantage, advantages, even in a money way, but you'll have the uh, true righteousness and true holiness. And then what do you have to do? Well, you put away lying words. You get rid of the stuff that shouldn't be there. Lying, untruth, let every man deal properly with his neighbor and with his loved ones and family. So now there's one more. One of the three. One more. Domestic life. I heard one fellow say that uh, when he became a Christian, his mules wouldn't work for him. He had used such bad language in ruling over his, his animals that had to work for him that they didn't know how to act when he didn't use those bad words. Wow. So, um, something that happens in the home. This is Ephesians 6. I'm pretty sure I still got that here. Well, maybe not. I probably need to get the Bible. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. It's about home life. Starts off talking to children. Start with verse 1. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the right thing to do, the right behavior that you're looking for. It's going to make your home life happier. Okay, so there's an advantage here. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What promise? You haven't read the Ten Commandments recently. <laughs> long life, isn't it? It's going to be long life, good life. So that's the first one with promise. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Well, if you ask anybody, well, if you're young enough, you, you think you'll live forever. You get older, you know that's not true. <laughs> it starts gaining on you. Um, we know that we need to have this blessing. We need to look for this blessing and, um, and depend on this blessing. It's there for us if we just choose righteousness and choose Heavenly Father, choose salvation. Verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Responsibility for the parents? What responsibility for the children? Well, to do it to help the parent to be able to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to help them, because it's a vantage for yourself. <laughs> it is, really. Okay. Servants. Well, these are slaves in some meaning. Um, sometimes it means the boss that we work for. Either way, it works. Servants, be obedient unto them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of heart as with, as unto the Lord, unto Christ. Um, my mind is going back to when I was working in the fields hoeing strawberries or picking strawberries. And my dad would look over at us and say, keep going. And when he'd get, he'd come and help us so that we could keep up because we were young. And uh, then he'd say to us, what if the boss was looking? He, you don't want to lose your job because you didn't stay working, didn't stay active, didn't give an honest day's work for an honest pay. Um, these were ground into our heads with singleness of heart. Okay, I'm working for this guy. I don't need to be thinking over there. I don't need to be working over there. I need to do what the boss wants me to do. And he will reward me for that. I'm going to get some wages. I'm going to get my breaks at the right time. I'm going to get some food out of this. You know, just do what it takes. The singleness of heart, not double-minded and not serving doubly to, to two different servants, two different bosses. A fellow I worked for for a year in one building, uh, he decided to to be double-minded, actually. He was working at two jobs, and the big boss came over to find him at the other boss's office with this company's car over there and that cell phone from here over there. Oh, boy, he was fired on the spot. Somebody had to go with him to the office and help him carry out his stuff because he wasn't even allowed to, to go back there on his own. So verse 6 says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as a, uh, a servant of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. 
Make sure that what you're doing with this kind of occupation or this kind of behavior, mannerisms, that it's bringing honor to Christ and to the Heavenly Father. And you're just doing it from the heart. You just do what's right, and it'll always come out right. Okay, verse 7. With, uh, with good with goodwill, uh, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So don't think about this man that can sometimes be ornery or pull tricks on you. Don't think about that. You think about what you're doing if the Lord Jesus Christ was watching. Okay, <laughs> that helps it sink in. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall be shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. The, the blessings that are told about for Christian behavior, and it doesn't matter whether you were the servant, the slave, the, uh, what category you had, or free, uh, but if you're doing it unto the Lord, you're going to receive a reward for it. One more verse here. And ye, brethren, do the same thing unto them, forbearing Threatening. Don't threaten people. Don't, don't make problems. Knowing that your master also is in heaven. Our Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven. Our Heavenly Father is in heaven. Don't, don't expect this other person to act like he was heavenly. But you serve him anyway and you just do the right thing. Neither is there respect of persons with him. The Heavenly Father or Jesus Christ, either one, are not going to pick you out and say, well, you are this kind of a person. Therefore, you can't do enough. You can't do good. You can't win. You can't, you know, you're always going to be a slave. You, you can't do that. I think about the one when Jesus was telling the story of the, the man that fell by uh, people, caught him um, on, the, on the road, and they, they beat him and so on. And the one that came along to help, he was a Samaritan. Oh, no, not one of those. God is not a respecter of person. That's why the Samaritan is in that story, showing the good side of the right thing to do. Okay, so we need to watch ourselves that we are doing what is correct, not because of who we are or where we were born, uh, but doing the right thing. Uh, there's a verse here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. The Heavenly Father called us into this field of work, into witnessing and testifying, winning souls for Christ. We need to walk worthy of the Heavenly Father. Walk with him. So that was, uh, it's a short verse, but it's a, uh, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12. The next verse is in First Peter chapter 5. And this is 10 and 11. And so I've got them written out here. I won't even try to read from there. Um, the object, the object of this calling, of the calling. In verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ. The Heavenly Father has called us because of his grace 
in the walk of serving Jesus Christ. Wow. After that, ye have suffered a while. Oh, nobody likes to suffer. But what if it was something that you had to suffer for a little while? It'll make you perfect, established, strengthened, and settled. It's the old English here, but <laughs> it says, after you've suffered a while, may make you perfect, established, strengthened, and settle you. In uh, verse 11 says, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So if we could do all of these things in the right pattern or the right reasons, serve God diligently, uh, actively, and pursue the right way of doing things, then this verse comes in that um, we'll be serving the one that has the dominion forever and ever, and we'll be on that, on that good side. May God bless you.